everybody and welcome to the Talking City Podcast, brought to you by the Manchester Evening News and coming to you live on Facebook on deadline day, no less. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today for this rarely and surprisingly bit busy day, at least a bit busier than normal, is Mr. Sam Murkowski. Sai, you've been ran off your feet today all over the show, so much stuff going on on this comparatively hectic deadline day for Manchester City. Uh, normally, I just have my feet up when City are deadline day, yeah. But it's been uh, busier than busier than usual, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Nice to have a bit of a bit of activity, and uh, obviously a lot still to go out from yesterday's game. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we will we will start with the uh, transfer business because City have brought a player in on deadline day. We talked about him a fair whack on Tuesday's episode, but. Signed, sealed and delivered. Manuel Akanji has been coming from Borussia Dortmund. Kind of a cut price fee as his contract was set to expire in next summer in 2023. Signs a five-year deal. Takes Fernandinho's number 25 shirt and say, as we said on Tuesday, seems like good business all around. Yeah, it does. Um, You know, as the player himself said, it it was a bit unexpected. Um, Said he weren't planning to make the signing, but the opportunity came up and they said... Yeah, and um, you know today they are going to sell Samidozi and Juan Larios for ten million and six million, and they brought in um, Akanji for fifteen million. So they're going to make more today than they've than they've spent, which is um, kind of a sense of uh, where the rest of the window is at. Basically, you look at the spending in from Premier League clubs, and it seems enormous but you can't really count man city among um that group they spent they spent a lot of money but they seem to have spent it well you can't really look at any of the signings they've made and think oh that they look to have paid too much for him no absolutely not i mean as you say we'll, we'll kind of come onto the window in a whole momentarily but you know akanji i thought he spoke very well um in his kind of first interview with city as you say didn't exactly see this move coming, but it's kind of jumped to the chance to uh, to take it. I think as we kind of speculate on Tuesday, kind of aiming to like really prove himself, prove that he is kind of capable and wants to kind of make this step up in his career. I think he said something like um, last year at Dortmund, he was kind of hopeful for a, a new step maybe or something fresh, a new challenge. And he's kind of got it out of nowhere. Again, I think he spoke, spoke very well of working with Guardiola and of course, kind of linking up again with Highland. I'm sure he's absolutely buzzing not to be facing him in a couple of weeks' time, and as we'll get on to. And he's you know, also linking up with Sergio Gomez, um, another, you know, three former Dortmund players arriving at City this summer. And yeah, um, were, were you impressed with um, Akanji's kind of opening words? Yeah, it, it kind of... Um, City need that ambition in all the players. You know, Nathan Ake arrived a few years ago, just before they signed Ruben Diaz, but you know, came in and said, I want to be the starting defender at Man City. And he's never really made it, but that's never stopped him from trying to make it. And him trying to make it keeps him a valuable member of the squad. And the same will go for Akanji. You know, you wouldn't have said he's a he's a starting defender when you've got Stones and Diaz and Laporte fit. But there are many, many times when you don't have all of Stones, Diaz and Laporte fit. And, you know, a player, if he's in that mode of readiness... Um, and fields he can step up, you know, is more likely to take his his opportunity. So it's a great opportunity for him, and um, it is some much needed um, defensive cover in the middle of the defence for for City. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I've always found that, you know, you players by virtue of wanting to be the best in the career and having just having the mentality to be a football, you know, you know, zero point one percent of kids who go into youth teams end up making it professionally and you know, making it a first team appearance in the Premier League where it is. I think I find that I, I, the big example I was kind of cast my mind back to is when Liverpool signed Adam Bogdan from Bolton. He was number one at Bolton at the time. He was clearly going to Liverpool to be number two at best. But it, as a professional, you simply can't turn that sort of opportunity down, not just because of the money, obviously, but because you back yourself as a professional to go. You know, the, um, Bogdan would back himself to go and be the number one at Liverpool, just like Akanji and Phillips as another example. They know the stiff competition ahead of them, but as professionals, you back yourself to do the best. And if you don't have that sort of self-belief, I think, maybe you could argue it's um, maybe a na- naivety and not knowing your place. But I think, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think if you don't if you, if you don't have that sort of self-belief in yourself to go anywhere and be the first choice, you're not, you probably wouldn't have made it as a footballer anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, you know, <laughs> like you say, it is, is a bit daft. And there were plenty of people who, you know, will have said, why is Calvin Phillips moving mm-hmm. when Rodri has got that position sewn up. But you never know, you're only one injury or one run of bad form away from uh, from getting into the team. So that is the the mentality that Akanji has had. I think, you know, he's been available for for much of the summer um, and, and not moved. So clearly, you know, it, when City came in, it was kind of a no-brainer. But uh, he, he wanted to move. Dortmund were happy to, to sell him. So it, it kind of made sense for... For all parties, then yeah, I mean, we'll see what um, what he can do, really. But he, he's got he's got plenty of experience, and mm. you know, he's an international defender, and his place at the World Cup isn't going to be affected by by him moving City and maybe not playing every week. So that that was the issue City had when trying to find sort of a replacement for Ake. So they've done well to sort of find someone with so much experience that mm. doesn't cost very much that can give them what they need. They hope. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of perfect kind of scouting by the recruitment team to find the absolute perfect player for the requirements. But um, we'll get on to kind of the weekend's game coming up. But um, is there any word on if Akanji will be available for that? Because I do believe his wife's due to give birth any day now. So definitely an, an eventful week for him. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he's eligible. Um, but as well as his personal situation, he's not played all season for Dortmund. So um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be expecting him to be involved at Villa Park. But... I mean, you never know. Ruben Diaz played, had one training se- session with City, I think, and then played 90 minutes at Leeds. So I, I wouldn't expect it, but um, you never know. But we, yeah. we should find out more from uh, Guardiola tomorrow, Friday, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a busy week. It's understandable that the days <laughs> are on there. So I'll tell you that for free. Yeah. You know, you know, you mentioned there Larios and two more youth players kind of going out the door for a really handsome profit for City. We saw Romeo Lavia leave for Southampton and, you know, doing quite well for himself, 18, and banging them in for Chelsea. He already looks like a brilliant player, as he did at City in fairness, and he's now gone on to kind of already fulfil that potential. Um, how do you kind of view kind of City's sort of strategy with this? Because, you know, I think Adolzi started the Community Shield last year, um, the Leicester City one, and he looked like likely that he could maybe make an impact in the first team this following season. Didn't really come off for him. Um, I, I did, was he injured maybe? I don't remember seeing much of him in youth teams either off the top of my head. But, you know, he didn't make that jump that maybe was he hoped. And Larios is another player that I've actually been quite impressed with um, whenever I've seen him in the youth team level. So they're both going. And it's like, it's a weird one now. 
they're making so much money off players who've not even had a Premier League appearance. It's, I don't know how they do it, but I think that just shows the, the spending power of the Premier League, really, which is a completely different argument for another podcast, I'd imagine. It, it really is remarkable. Um, I mean, Edozi was wanted by Bayer Leverkusen this summer and was kind of expected to go. And then that was sort of kind of why he didn't end up going on the first team tour and um, has just stuck around and stuck around. And Leverkusen obviously moved for um, Callum Hudson-Odoi now. Uh, so Southampton, who City's head of academy recruitment has moved to, um, is now getting... Idozi and Larios having already signed Lavia and Bazunu. And, um, you know, it, it leaves the academy quite tight on numbers, but you just can't turn down that sort of money. Like six million for Juan Larios, who has, like you say, is impressed in academy games, nowhere near the first team. Not saying that he'd not get to the first team, but he's nowhere near the first team at present. You know, City have had very. Um, They've only had Cancelo at left-back, basically, and Wilson Esbrand has sort of recovered from his injuries. But Larios didn't get the call. To get £6 million for Larios is, yeah, um, indicative of the way that Premier League clubs have been spending this summer. Um, And City have have reaped the benefits because they're absolutely rolling in cash despite having spent more than £100 How do City do it? Because, I mean, you look at, just off the top of my head, obviously, that United couldn't, I think they've had to, Chung's finally gone this summer, he's gone to Birmingham today, I believe. Um, but like they couldn't really give him away and they kept giving him extended contracts to try and protect a fee. Um, I don't know off the top of my head if they've got a fee for Chung, but it's like they struggle to get rid of players. So United struggle to get rid of players who are like senior for any sort of fee. And, you know, you look at Barcelona this summer who've been trying to, just cancel contracts left, right to get people out the door and not being able to get nominal fees. And then you get City somehow. How much have they got for those four players you mentioned there? Like 50 million, is it? I think. Or touching it, it that at least. Must be close, yeah. Yeah. At least um, at least in the 30, at least 40. 40 range, yeah. And it's yeah. Like, it's all players with potential. I think Bazunu's got, you know, he wouldn't surprise me if City and buying Bazunu back one day because he looks like an absolutely incredible talent. You know, he's still a teenager, only very young. It's yeah, starting for Southampton, but it's I don't get how they do it. It's so mad to me. No, no, no. It blows my mind that Southampton, a club that like always needs to start the season saying let's not avoid relegation, are spending forty million pounds on players with zero Premier League starts. Like, mm. I, I, yeah, but I mean, when you look at how they play against Chelsea, then fair, fair enough. And it works. But, um, it works. Yeah. Well, yeah. So far. Um, but it is, you know, it's money that City simply cannot turn down. Um, you know, they they seem to have. It's very early days. It's kind of like the first summer they've really sold multiple players for for decent fees. But it feels like there's a bit of like a City Academy tax coming mm-hmm. on to players. You know, they've they've dominated the honours over the last few years, and there's kind of an acceptance that a player brought through by the City Academy. Um, has enormous potential and also might want to experience first team football earlier mm. than City can offer. Um, because there's a few either like Luca Barrington went the other month, and there's been talk about Mabude and mm. uh, someone Trafford's else like yeah, but even like younger, younger than Trafford, even like these players who you know only the, the most 
you know, people who watch every City youth game will know them, but they're not mm. really on anyone else's radar um, for, for fans. And Premier League clubs are coming in with like multi-million pound bids for them. It, it's astonishing, but perhaps a sign of the future and more people will start doing that. And maybe it's a case of you're getting a player from City's Academy, you know what they've been taught in, you know exactly how they want to play. If you're a team who's wanting to play, you know, at the lower end of the Premier League or maybe even the Championship sort of level, if you're a team who's wanting to sort of implement a nice passing style, you want players comfortable in possession, good on the ball, good at pressing and whatnot, you kind of go to City's Academy because you know for a fact they've been drilled the exact same way and in the exact same methods that Guardiola's kind of drilling his first team because the cohesion is so so tight and so well run at City. So maybe that has a part to play as well. It's not like other clubs where you don't really... You, the, the way the youngsters are taught isn't quite as obvious, maybe. Yeah, I think the um, obviously they spent two hundred million on this training facility. Uh, twenty fourteen, I think, to sort of bring the academy more in line with the first team and put this plan together. And it's taken a few years to come off, but you really are seeing the the green shoots now um, of the of the progress. And a lot of these city youngsters train with the first team where Guardiola has the highest standards and also they will go over to provide sort of like, there'll be the the opposition line up against the City first team, City preparing for matches sometimes. So, you know, they not only are like the first team rubbing off on them, but they're also getting, they're, they're, they're watching and doing basically um, and learning sort of what it's like to be Premier League champions. Absolutely. And and are we expecting anyone else from the youth team to leave today? Um, or is it if anything else does happen, is it just going to be a surprise at this point? Uh, Luke and Bette will join Huddersfield on loan. Um, it wasn't kind of a it, it was wasn't kind of um, fully expected, but as soon as Akanji signed, it was it, it's obvious because Mbete needs to play and City have got five senior centre backs. Um, Claudio Gomez looks to be going to Palermo. Um, we, we recently bought by City Football Club, City Football Group, not club. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is about it. Mm-hmm. One of those days where you know, I think it always happens on a deadline. Usually, it's deadline days, just some of the youngsters heading out. But at least we've had an, a sign in um, on this one to kind of make things. A bit more exciting, you know. So, si, if, if I presume we're kind of pretty self short in assuming that's it for City's business, six summer signings, quite you know, compared to the one they made last year, it's been a very kind of busy and exciting summer. I think we've talked about the window quite you know extensively during the summer, but it's, it's been one hell of a window, you know. Harlan Phillips, Ortega, Alvarez, Akanji now, and Gomez, City have strengthened everywhere they need to strengthen, as we'll talk to. They've signed. Probably the best, the new best player in the world, and I think you, you can't give anything but an A plus on this uh, on this window. Do you remember about a month ago when everyone was like cheeky out? <laughs> everyone was fuming because they'd missed out on Kukurea and centre back looked light, and it was like really, really a lot of people very angry with the sporting director. And um, I, did, yeah. I must have been an holiday then because I think I'd have been. <laughs> Apoplectic <laughs> with rage at such a self entitlement. Got Haaland and you're moaning. I know, I know. I mean, aside from left back, which obviously didn't go to plan, mm-hmm. um, it has been a, a transfer window beyond their wildest dreams. And even, you know, Sergio Gomez, who they've decided to keep, um, has, has looked decent so far. So even that might, you know, not paying 62 million for Kukurea. 
um, and paying whatever it was, 15 or something for Gomez might end up being uh, working out for the for the best, even if they didn't originally plan for it. So, mm. uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's hard to find any negatives really about the window. No, absolutely not. I mean, even with Gomez, they've kind of signed a kind of similar kind of profile to Zinchenko, where he's like was a midfielder, was an attacking midfielder, and has been put to left back. So they've even got that kind of versatility back, which they lost with Zinchenko. And I was a bit kind of concerned for losing such versatile players with Fernandinho leaving as well and Jesus and the like. But yeah, as you say, it's been a lot of change, but it's a very exciting change. And it has, of course, led to City just being absolutely. Incredible. We, we we talked on Tuesday. We was like, oh, if they could see it again against Forest, if it's a bit of a if it's a bit of a roller coaster, they might uh, there might be some question marks there. No, no concerns whatsoever. Six nil, a thirty-eight minute hat trick from Mister Erling Haaland, the crown jewel in the transfer window. Jesus Christ, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it, we waxed lyrical on Tuesday, but you know, what can we're you what say? we're we're. Weeks into the season, and we can't find anything new to say about him. Me, myself, and a colleague were uh, doing some diligence before the game and looking up some stats. And uh, we were like, you know, the only one, the only stat that stands out is this one that if Haaland gets three goals, it'll break the Premier League record for, you know, most goals in the first five games. And we're like, oh, yeah, another hat trick then. (laughs) And uh, and then he scored and he scored again. And I turned around to someone else during the game and they said to me, I'll like, oh, probably um, take him off at half-time, won't we? I was saying, well, yeah, after he's got his hat-trick. Mm-hmm. And and then he did. And he honestly, the um, what made it for me was after the match, um, he's obviously scored three and uh, come off and had like, a, a good laugh with Foden about how great life is. And then uh, he comes back on after the game with the ball at his feet and just proceeds to like keep booting it in front of him as you would if you were like on a Sunday morning stroll with a dog and just like waving to the crowd and went round the whole ground doing this before picking his ball up and going back in. And you were just like, this is this is Erling Haaland's house now. Mm-hmm. Like this is where he lives. We all come to see him and watch him just amaze everyone. And then come back again the next week. Like he, he's, he's been here. He's been playing a month, and he's already sort of threatening to change what everyone thinks about the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope he's got a big room, spare room in his whatever his Cheshire mansion may be, because <laughs> he's going to have a lot of footballs to put in there at some point. I imagine um, either that, or he's going to have one very happy dog with the amount of toys he's going to have given to him. I mean, there was one stat I saw, um, I believe this was after his eighth goal, um, for his second goal in the night, his eighth goal. Um, Haaland had reached eight, from Duncan Alexander, um, had reached eight Premier League goals before he had 100 touches in the league. And I don't know if that still stood when he got his ninth goal as well, which I can't imagine it would have been many <laughs> two, two men. I mean, it's, I think the, the funny thing is, like, they're not even this week, and we've seen it a few times, he's scored some great goals already, don't get me wrong, but these goals weren't even, like, that good. But he's no. scoring them. They were just tappings, really. And I mean, the the build up for the the second goal, um, you know, Foden may have got a bit of a bit of a help on that assist from a sliding tackle. But it's just it's just the efficiency of it. It's absolutely frightening. I've, and I think if you compare it to, I think Messi and Ronaldo kind of changed the paradigm of how we see football and how we see stats. Now, their goal records of the last fifteen years have been just 
they've kind of skewed everything else where a solid 15-goal season seems absolutely rubbish because they've made the average to 40. Could Haaland make Messi and like, Ronaldo's look rubbish? Because if he carries this on, he's going to have like 50 goals by me. And yeah, I mean, remarkable. Sterling and Jesus have both started well for their new clubs and Haaland's got three more goals than them combined. Um, yeah. Like you say, he doesn't, He's just there and he scores goals. And as much as he's just like a, a cold-blooded killer and like a machine who knows exactly where to be at the right time, it's just kind of dizzying to be watching him. Like the the opposition defenders clearly have, have no way of stopping him and the fans are just getting giddy every time he, he goes near the ball because they can sense what's coming because it's usually a goal. Mm-hmm. Um I think a few things I saw was like he's scored more goals in August now than Harry Kane. Which Harry Kane. And even like, Kane's had a good start this year for well, well. Yeah, Kane traditionally never scores in August, but has started oh. well. But um but considering City nearly paid three times yeah. what they paid for Haaland for for Kane last year. Um yeah, he uh, he he just <laughs> he, No, I know. He, he's just world class and you know, all of the debates around him. What will he bring to the City team? Can he really improve the Premier League champions? With, you know, the Bundesliga tax and all this. And um, he is just obliterating every single one. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing it like he's got not a care in the world. Yeah. I mean, even the build-up play, he, he played the one-two before and didn't he do the same... Did he set up a Gundogan goal a couple of weeks ago? There's been so many already, it's hard to keep track. Yeah. Like yeah. even is even the bit where people might be like, oh, but will he be able to do the interplay with Guardiola? Will he be able to come deep, get the ball? Yeah, he can. <laughs> he can literally do everything. It's insane. I mean, I, I, I think there's going to end up being like a, a support group for beleaguered centre backs because they might have one <laughs> who are like trying to drag him to the ground. It was the same yeah. with the first goal. Just Joe Warrell's all over him. Yeah. yeah. And just yeah. couldn't. It's like he it just kind of shrugs them off. It's like when. Um, those little fish go around doing like cleaning food out of shark's teeth, and they're, they're just not bothered about the 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 presence. That means absolutely nothing to him because he can yeah. just shrug them off with absolute ease. And I mean, I, I I think what makes it so exciting is because the, it's the first time in the Premier League in Highland, and I think it was it was wild to say at the time. It's it is right. It's the first time they've signed the the best player. In, you know, there's Mbappe's up there with them. They're the next yeah. two, obviously. But yeah. it's the first time that the, the the next best player in the world, like you know, the biggest star is coming in, you know, and if Messi is still doing amazing things, but you know, Messi coming towards the end, if he wasn't still playing, Haaland pretty much the best player in the world. It's the first time that that sort of calibre of player has come to the Premier League as he's in his peak. Ronaldo, you didn't, you know he's talented, you didn't know he's going to get to that level at the Premier League and he went even better after that. It's the first time that sort of player has come to the Premier League ever and He's, it's just spellbound to watch. I think like with Messi, when you when you watched him at his peak, it was kind of like jaw dropping the stuff he could do. But with like Haaland, it's just like watching just raw power. I don't know, like a a rocket taking off or a, I don't know, an elephant smashing through a forest or something. It's just like the power in it, a hurricane coming through and just leveling a town. It's just like pure mother nature. And it's mad that <laughs> five games in, I'm having to resort to such flowery language. <laughs> To describe him, because yeah. God help us in two weeks' time when it's just going to be like he scored again. And, <laughs> you know, it's going to be quite boring. But I think while we, while this kind of you know the people who you know we've all seen how we've seen how for four years now we started that young 
I remember him being just a spellbinded when he was at um, Salzburg against Liverpool yeah. when he kind of made his name. He's been doing this for so long now, but because we're seeing it regularly week to week and we're seeing him kind of make a mockery of the that old, you know, the old um, tired Premier League centre-backs there, had his nails, blah, 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 and he's just made an absolute mockery of it. And I, I kind of want to enjoy it while it's still kind of fresh and new. Yeah, well, he loves playing with a smile on his face and everyone who gets the chance to watch him should just enjoy and soak up, you know, everything that he he can. And I mean, I tweeted last night, but he was he, last night he was the youngest player in the City team. And you you see him and it, it's just incredible because when he's holding off those defenders, he's like bringing back versions, like visions of Alan Shearer in his sort of, in his pomp. And you think he's 20, he turned 22 in July. He's younger than Foden, he's younger than Alvarez. And yet he's arrived as this like already the best striker in the world. Like like you say, him and Mbappe are the generational yeah. forwards that are going to go on from Ronaldo and Messi. And um, and this guy has still got like, you know, 10, 15 years at the very top if he wants mm-hmm. it. It is ludicrous. It defies all convention, all reality. You ju- I think that's it. You just have to suspend your senses when you see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can, absolutely cannot wait to watch him soon in a couple of weeks. It's going to, I can't, I can't, can't wait, especially against this old club that, you know, the, no doubt when I'm there, he, he won't score. But <laughs> I'm, sure he'll, I'm sure he'll play well. A bit anyway. on the bench. Yeah, well, <laughs> touch wood, touch wood. And, um, and, you know, you said you mentioned Shearer there. And like, I think the only kind of maybe doubt is that his five year contract at City, and he's clearly loving it here so much. And it was always written in the stars, you know, his dad and, the, the picture of him when he was a kid, but there is the kind of the the, the, the spectre of playing for Real Madrid, and that's how the Premier League has happened. Like Ronaldo went to Real Madrid, the big players they want Real Madrid and Barcelona, the biggest because they are just the royalty. But if he does stay, and it might not even take that long, but if he ends up being, you know, he's only twenty-two, if he stays in the Premier League for ten years, that once kind of unassailable Shearer record genuinely could be in peril for the first time, and that is kind of a remarkable thing. But you know. It wasn't just Haaland playing and he wasn't just the only player who was amazing either because you mentioned him there, Julian Alvarez. I didn't even realise he was older than Haaland myself. But that is mental. But he, he's also kind of adapting to life in the Premier League pretty well. I mean, in terms of the actual matches and, you know, play to play, maybe taking a bit longer to kind of get used to, um, you know, the bit more rigours. And he has uh, the rigours of the league and he, he has been playing um, since February, I think, hasn't he, in the Argentina League. Um, so he's maybe getting a bit fatigued himself and he's coming in fresher, whatever it, the case may be. But he still scored two mint goals. And we, we were discussing earlier of a chat and maybe it's lazy to say it because they're both Argentine, but his movement and the way he finishes, his body language, uncannily like Aguero. And I think they might have someone who actually replaces Aguero who isn't Haaland. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Quite, it, well, quite scary. That was the other daft thing about last night. It was Alvarez's night. It was meant to be for Alvarez. And, you know, we get word early that Alvarez is starting and you think, great. And then it's like, oh, Haaland's starting too, by the way. And then by <laughs> half time, it's just like, oh, oh, right. It's all about Erling Haaland again. Um, yeah, I absolutely hate comparing young players to mm-hmm. more senior players. Uh, but I've already done it with Haaland today. And, yeah, I'm happy to do it with uh, with Alvarez because there's no getting away from me. Just... He moves and he finished. Those finishes last night were just so like Sergio Aguero, that kind of low centre of gravity that he has. 
and the uh, the cleanness of how he hits the ball. Um, really, really impressive. That one he hit the uh, the post with with his left foot in the first half kind of had visions of Aguero's debut against Swansea. Um, and yeah, he he just looks a phenomenal talent and you can see why they're so excited about him. And yeah, the, the, there will be many games this season where Haaland doesn't play, but Alvarez will. And mm. Alvarez has kind of shown that he's he's ready for that. And, you know, he played right, right wing, he played up front, he kind of played behind Haaland as well. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was another astonishing facet of another extraordinary evening at the Etihad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's not like, it doesn't seem like extraordinarily fast, but he has that like acceleration when he's on the, when, it's like he comes alive. I think that second goal, the ball dropped and he was like on it. He was just alert, more alert than everyone else around him. The touch, the finish, he had a mint touch for the, was it the fourth? There's so many goals. Was it the fourth against <laughs> Palace he was involved in that we talked about? Yeah. Like, his touch on the ball in the box is so good and his movement, I say, and you know, he looks a real player. How do you think he kind of linked up with Haaland? Like, what was that? Is that something he, that could be a good in the future? Yeah, yeah, he did really well. Um, he sort of just off him, but you know, hoovering up anything that came his way. Um, I think as we sort of touched on with Haaland and his sort of brutal efficiency, um, you saw that with Alvarez as well. And the second goal he scored was actually a, a Forest free kick. And he's run from like the edge of the city box, basically, all the way up the field like roadrunner. But he's not broken stride. He's just known where to be and to known to arc his run so that when the ball has popped up in the box, he's absolutely lashed it home with his with his left foot. And, you know, if a player is intelligent and efficient and knows where, where the goal is, you've got a top quality striker on your hands. And um, City have suddenly got two of them. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, I kind of forgot to mention it there with Haaland, but I think the fact that Foden, I don't know if he got the assist for the second one, because it was a bit of like a challenge yeah, in there. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But he certainly got the assist for the first one. To add to the first one and that Haaland scored against Palace, you know, there was a bit of, come on, Phil, pass to the striker who's like gagging for the ball in the box. And, you you know, you've got that focal point there. You've got that striker there who's going to finish for you. And I think that you know that slight concern has been quickly put to bed as well because Foden and the the first the first the, the headers for both Haaland's goals carbon copy goals and I think we're going to see you know we we kind of predicted that we'd see a lot of the the Bruyne through ball Haaland smashing through and the easy the easy finish to the corner but it looks like we're going to see a lot of this Foden floated cross Haaland just getting in front of everyone and nodding it in quite a lot as well or turning it in as he did with the um the first one sorry against that yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, match of the day put up, you know, where his nine goals have come from so far. And it was something like five in the six-yard box, the other four in the width of the goal in the penalty box. So it is just find him in the box and he'll score. Um, I, we saw at the Community Shield, De Bruyne wasn't quite on the same wavelength as him. A week later at West Ham, De Bruyne split the West Ham defence for him to score. Foden missed a chance to pass to him at Bournemouth and maybe against Newcastle a week later. Foden finds him. Three days later, Foden finds him again. It, it's all coming together very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, as as you would probably expect when there's so much quality, but it, it, it is kind of unnerving for everyone else how 
how quickly and how well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't think it should be overlooked. Like so much kind of change. There's been six players in, and a significant, not you know, four first team players have gone. And that it's not just there were significant players. Sterling was one of the senior members of that squad, and a leader. Jesus has been pivotal part of that team for five years. Zinchenko, Fernandinho was actually the captain. Zinchenko was such a useful player. That's significant players to lose, and that's a lot of change for a manager to kind of bed in and get everyone used to everything. And we've seen managers struggle with it in the past. You know, even Ferguson needed years to kind of um, rebuild and adapt. And crucially, Guardiola. So long as Guardiola's ever been in a job, he's never had to do it himself, really, in any of his jobs. So the fact that it's going, you know, it easily could have not, you know, I know they've got the best striker in the world and whatever, and it shouldn't have failed, but it, it could quite easily have not worked out quite as well as it is doing already. You know, maybe there is still time for the wheels to fall off. I somehow doubt it, but it's quite scary thought for the rest of the Premier League and Champions League to um, think that this isn't even at them at their best yet. Because De Bruyne didn't play against Paris and he came on for Haaland at 6-0 up. Or 5-0 up, was it? And you know, we haven't really talked about the, the kind of game itself. How, how were City's performance? How was City's performance, you know, off the back of those two um, kind of shaky matches, shall we say? Very good. Um, I mean, I don't know how much of it was just you have Erling Haaland because Forrest kind of showed early on they couldn't get forward. They didn't really show much ambition to get forward. Or, or City penned them in, probably a combination of the two. But it just quickly became a procession because Haaland is so good at finishing. So it, it was a route and Forrest were lucky to get away with six. Um, but promising that kind of João Cancelo had his best game of the season by far. And him and Bernardo as well was just like knocking balls to each other all evening like it was nobody's business. Um, Bernardo looked good again. Gundogan, good. Um, you know, Stones... And Diaz will be happy to keep a clean sheet after the last two two games. So it, it kind of made you forget a bit about those um, defensive worries from the the previous two games. And it was just a very very complete performance. Maras came off the bench and, and you know made a difference. And it felt like all the subs did um, did contribute something as well as kind of um, all the eleven kind of blowing Forest away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be a miss of us not to kind of mention Cancelo's goal, which was the goal of the night by some distance, an amazing strike. Um, but yeah, John Storms, a player, I do want to kind of touch on that. Um, unfortunate himself to kind of get a goal disallowed um, in the first half, and it really like City were going to blow him away even further. But, you know, he's come in, he obviously had a difficult pre-season um, with interruptions and whatnot. Um, wasn't starting the season at first, but this injury to Ake, as, as it tends to do at City's kind of centre-backs, you know, an injury gives an opening for someone. It, it did for Ake, you know, with Laporte injured. Ake came in, did nothing to warrant losing his place, but has unfortunately been kind of struck down. And now Storms has kind of come in, taken that opportunity once again. And maybe after a bit of a shaky start um, in his first appearance of the season, is going to, you know, getting his foot and helped. Like it was against Forest, um, a team that are very much struggling with that adaptation of loads of players, as we, you know, a City aren't doing. But um, yeah, Storms look really kind of getting back to that. Farmy showed in around 2020 time when he came in for the port and was absolutely excellent. Yeah, and he, he's happy to take on the responsibility. Obviously, with Laporte injured, they've lost the ball play, the ball playing centre back. Uh, but Stones is comfortable coming forward and through the lines, and um, he has been happy to do that. It's also consecutive assists for him, two games in a row. He's assisted Haaland, so 
he's getting up into the opposition box and uh, and finding the big number nine just like everyone else is. Um, I think there's a lot of love for John Stones among the fan base and, you know, everyone likes a story and the way he fought back from basically being told he could leave City to um, to coming back and being so crucial to that season during COVID, his partnership with Diaz and, you know, there were times last season where he was the best defender at the club. So he will be looking to have a strong, a strong performance again and... Um, it's hard, you know. He's been at City since 2016 and we've seen with like Sterling and Jesus, it's hard to keep that motivation. So fair play to anyone who who is still there going at it. And, you know, Stones is certainly looks to still be at his peak. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, did, I did want to just quickly mention that Stones right now at this very moment is doing um, a brilliant thing. Um, he's at the, uh, the, let me get this right, um, he's over at the Academy Stadium right now doing a meet and greet um, in order to for people to get swabbed to find um, a possible donor for a child who's got a serious illness. Um, the tweet from City says, if you are free um, today on Thursday, the 1st of September, uh, between 1.30pm and 5pm, come along to the Academy Stadium to join the stem cell register and take a swab of your cheeks. You can help Dylan or others in need. John Stones will also be in attendance from 1.30 to 3.30 thank everyone for the support. So if you're around the Academy Stadium right now and you've got nothing better to do, why don't you go down and see John Stones and go and get swabbed for a very good cause because he's doing a brilliant thing there. And I think if you go onto his Twitter or his Instagram, he's got a lot more information on how else you can help if you are not in the vicinity. Um, yeah, congratulations. Um, big well done to Stones for that because that's a brilliant thing to do. And uh, next up, si, um, you know, City, the football comes thick and fast, back in action this weekend on Saturday, the 5.30 kickoff at Villa Park. And it's it's quite difficult, again, to see anything other than a City win here because Villa, even though they gave, obviously, City a lot of trouble on the last day of last season, all the drama, um, the closest we'll get to an Aguero moment um, that we never thought we'd see with that late comeback. But they have not started the season well, despite the significant amount of money they have paid on players. Um, they, they lost the opening match to Bournemouth, did get a win over Everton, but have since lost every game. Obviously beat Bolton 4-1 at Carabao Cup, but we'll not touch on that. They've, they've lost two since. They've lost to Palace, West Ham, and yesterday they lost 2-1 to Arsenal um, after equalising and they conceded straight after. So it's not looking good for Villa. The pressure is on Steven Gerrard and you get the feeling maybe a bit like Scott Parker at Bournemouth that if this is a heavy one, it could maybe, good, maybe be a good night for Steven G so soon. Yeah, he's um, he's under pressure. There's no question about that. Um, Villa obviously had a huge love in with Dean Smith, um, and then when it you know fell, it was time for Dean Smith to leave. Brought in Gerard, sort of quickly asserted his authority and his his stamp on the club, and he's not been afraid to sort of you know pick a few fights. And he's left Tyrone Mings out and made a big deal out of that, and. Um, and he's not getting the results and you need results in this league to back up whatever you want to do. And um, I think it's, I think Villa play Leicester next week, which is, you know. Leicester, Southampton, Leeds and Forest. So maybe a yeah. kind of comfortable run of fixtures coming up. But but, I'm, but I mean, the point is against... Brendan Rodgers is, uh, is not looking very comfortable at the minute no. and neither is Gerard. So you've, you've got two managers there who really badly need a result and Le- uh, Leicester have got United tonight and um, so they might get it there but <laughs> maybe not and um, Villa 
yeah, I mean, they gave City a good game at Villa Park and Villa Park will be up for it. Um, but it, it's up against it. And, and it was, they gave City a good game when it was in kind of Gerard's honeymoon period. Um, they obviously nearly shocked them on the final day, but that was kind of extenuating circumstances. And yeah, everything points towards a, a comfortable City away victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not that Villa don't have kind of a lot of talented players. They've, you know, they spent money. They still have Coutinho, who of course scored um, on that game. They got Ings, Watkins, Bailey, Buendia, um, Douglas Luiz, who's sitting no well and um, has scored direct from a corner in like two of his last three matches. One of them against Bolton, obviously. Um, so they've got talent there. Mings is back in because they have suffered that injury to Diego Carlos, but. I don't think Pep will be, well, of course, wouldn't be taking this kind of easily or at all. He, he never does. But do, do you see many kind of changes, especially with uh, the Champions League coming back into play uh, the following uh, couple of days afterwards? Well, the big one is Haaland. Um, everyone expected him to be rested against Forest, or a lot of people did. Um, he wasn't, you know, he's been he's been bought for the Champions League, severe away. Not an ideal first fixture to have um, mm. in what is a, you know, a, a relatively comfortable group um so whether Guardiola you know Haaland having played every game so far it has been taken off to sort of protect him whether Guardiola thinks that it's best to to start him on the bench especially after seeing what he's seen from Alvarez um that is probably the the big call defense you can't really rotate because there aren't any bodies back um and then Gomez not come in maybe at full back Maybe, maybe it's just sort of a, a bit too big a game. But also in Walker and Cancelo are probably the two City players who can play the most number of minutes this season um, mm-hmm. because they they just go and go and go. So you, you don't have too many issues about playing Cancelo every game um, as long as he's, he's relatively on it. So, yeah, I think it will be... Haaland will be the, the big call. But when he's playing like this, you know... He, you probably start him and then take him off at half time after three goals. Yeah, exactly what I was gonna say. You know, it's better to have him start, get him let him bag and take him off rather than having to bring him on and in the event that you need goals and it's a bit more stressful. I mean, I think him himself would want to start every single game. I think there's some quotes going around going around that he said after the Forest game that he he wanted to play, he wants to start every game. Um, you know, he's an animal, he wants to play and I, I do think he'll end up starting this match, as you say. Maybe this time he does come off at half time, just to, and you know, the five subs rule makes it so much um, easier for Pep to rotate his team mid game and keep all the crucial players. Well, every player is crucial, but you know, give a lot of the players um, good kind of rest before the um, the trip to Spain. But um, yeah, I think Haaland, I think Alan starts, he probably scores again. Um, so can I get a prediction off you, Simon, for the match? Um, I think. I would say 3 0. I'm going to go 4 0. I think seems like they're hitting the stride a bit now. You know, you've got you to gotta go big. And maybe it'll be even more, but I think we're going to get some more um, more images of Stevie G looking full on as his, t- as his team don't do what he wants either. Wager, and it'll be very interesting to see the aftermath of that. But of course, for the aftermath, for the build up, and for everything during those 90 minutes, we'll bring you it all over on manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City, as well as whatever happens um, in the closing hours of deadline day. What have we got? About seven or so hours left, if my maths is... Eight. Eight. 
I'm not very good at maths. Eight hours and 14 minutes. No, seven hours. Oh, I see. I've, I've, I had it. Should have quit while I was in there. <laughs> I'm not good at maths. That's why I write for a living and talk rubbish down. You, you know, uh, you know, a kanji, are you? No, absolutely not. I'm not good at mathematics whatsoever. But thankfully, that's not really required for this job or for you to listen. So thank you very much for listening to us once again. And uh, we'll be back next week to discuss everything that happens in the Villa match and look forward to the, the restart, of the, the beginning of the new Champions League campaign. All very exciting stuff. And we hope you're here to listen to us talk about it. So, of course, you can get us over on Twitter at Man City MEN on Facebook um, with a Manchester Evening News Manchester City Facebook page. And uh, we'll see you all next week. And, uh...